0: So let's go ahead and take our Bibles, and uh, we're going to study the life of Paul over the next few weeks. Um, Now, I found this to be very interesting. Tonight, we're going to have our first message, which is Paul the Cosmopolitan. Uh, If you don't know much about uh, Paul He really is very much a cosmopolitan kind of person. Now, not as an adjective, but a noun. Uh, One that is well-versed in lots of different cultures and languages. Uh, The arts and education, uh, theology and and philosophy and so forth. Uh, So we'll look at this as we go through tonight. Now, the first time we come across him is in Acts chapter 7 where he is described as a young man. But before you turn to Acts chapter 7, I want you to catch our uh, big idea, and then we'll give you the verse that this big idea comes from. This will be the the one main idea that we keep coming back to over and over in our study on the life of Paul, and this will be the verse that I want you to memorize. So just one verse, not a whole chapter, so I think you can do this. Some of you may have already memorized this verse, But the big idea tonight is to ask Christ to live his life through your life. And where do we get that from? Out of the study of Paul. Uh, Well, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you go back to the big idea, ask Christ to live his life through your life, do you see that Paul is saying he's alive, but yet it's not really him, it's Christ living his life through the apostle's life? And so tonight as we walk away from study number one, we want to uh, just show you the things that have happened in your life are by design, and God wants to use those things Uh, for his honor and for his glory. So let Christ live his life through your life. All right, so look here, first of all, Paul, the cosmopolitan. Uh, Let's look at his birthplace. Now let's just go ahead and uh, we'll go to the book of Acts. And a lot of our material will be here tonight in the book of Acts. So we'll just be going back and forth through the pages of this letter Uh, to the New Testament church. All right, at chapter 7, we come to the persecution um, of Stephen, who is a martyr. He dies for his faith. And um, Paul is mentioned here, all right? Um, Look with me in um, verse 58. And cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down, their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, uh, and they stoned Stephen, who, Stephen, was calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So this is the first reference we have to Paul. Uh, In the New Testament, we see that uh, he's a persecutor of the church. Now, we'll pick up that theme as we go through the series. But let's look at what Paul says about himself before he came to know Christ. What was life like before Christ? What kind of a person was he? What was his background? Uh, What was his personality and and so forth? So we're going to look at these things tonight. Um, So we see, first of all, his background. We see his birthplace here. We see that he mentions that he is Paul of Tarsus. So let's go over to chapter 9 and look with me at verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Uh, Chapter 21, now we just need to look through these verses real quick, and then I'm going to give you some information from history that we know about this ancient city. Chapter 21, verse 39, but Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. Just a few verses later, chapter 22, and verse 3. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gemal, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as you all are this day. So, Cilicia is in the modern day country of Turkey, on the south coast. Um, But notice, not only was he from Tarsus, but he points out the fact that ethnically and religiously, he's Jewish. And so, here are some facts about this. The city, when Paul says here in Acts chapter 21, verse 39, no mean city, what he's saying is, uh, this isn't some obscure place. This is a well-known city. In fact, it was one of the larger cities of the ancient world. It is estimated that the population was 500,000. That's a pretty good-sized metropolitan area, is it not? And so we can see that uh, Paul would have grown up in a busy metropolitan area of the world. And uh, some things that you see about the city, uh, we look at its trade. Uh, One of the main products of this area Uh, as you see on your uh, overhead screen there, is uh, silicium, which is the black wool uh, taken from the goats and the sheep that grew in that region of the world, uh, that were uh, bred in that region of the world. And then they would take that black wool and refine it into tent fabric. And it was such of high quality that uh, the nomadic tribes and armies all through the world would do trade with Tarsus to buy this fabric for their tents. So whether you were in the military or whether you lived a nomadic life, you wanted this quality fabric from this region of the world. Now, as we know later on, this comes uh, to great importance in Paul's missionary journeys when he goes about... He has no financial support from any church so he works bivocational, he has two jobs and what is his trade? Making tents isn't that fascinating? It's connected to his hometown Um, but when you think of trade and you think that Tarsus is on the coast, then you think of seaports and you think of foreign uh, ships and foreigners coming into your city. Now, I don't know, but uh, perhaps Paul, as a little child, would say, hey, Mom, can I go down to the port and watch the ships come in today? Uh, and perhaps he heard all of the different languages of the seafaring nations come into his city, and he knew and was familiar with at least what the different languages of the world were Um, the other thing that is very interesting about this area uh, were the roads Uh, the Greeks came through um, in the early 3rd century BC under Alexander the Great conquered this region and and, uh, went through uh, this part of the world and uh, the records of history describe the, the major road that went through this area went through this city, and it was one of their epic journeys that they, uh, they went through, something like Sherman's March to the Sea. Um, how do you, as a foreign army, how do you support yourself going through a foreign land? Well, they were at, able to travel quickly and to conquer quickly because of the major roads that went from the east to the west throughout the southern part of the modern-day country of Turkey. And, of course, the Romans during Paul's time, had conquered and expanded the roads. Um, It's very interesting. I watched a documentary on the life of Paul uh, this last summer, or maybe this last fall. And um, the New Testament uh, professor uh, from Indiana uh, would take trips over to Turkey, and he is still walking the same Roman roads that the Apostle Paul traveled on. Uh, those roads are uh, marvels of engineering, how they have endured for thousands of years, and some of them are even still used. Um, don't you wish that California could build roads like that? Amen. All right. Um, so think of the different tradespeople that would come into the city uh, that you could be introduced to. Um, So God, many times, shapes our life experiences so that he may use them to advance the kingdom. And we will see uh, later in the message how God used uh, this in Paul's life. Now, the political standing of the city. um, Here I've got a couple of phrases up here. Uh, Libera civitas, uh, which means free city, Um, The Roman general Mark Antony, does anybody know what queen he was involved with? Cleopatra. Uh, He loved Tarsus uh, so much that he uh, gave it this political status of a free city. Uh, Basically, they did not have to pay Roman tax. Well, that's a pretty big deal. And they were also allowed to govern their own affairs. And so this is what we'll see later on, uh, very important in Christian doctrine of the church and how that comes in. Because Paul grew up in what you might call a city-state, a free city. Uh, Then the Greek general Antiochus Epiphanes uh, made it a city-state. Um, you know, there are certain places in California that pretty much think they're uh, a little world unto themselves, right? Um, when I lived up in Concord, we had a city about 15 miles uh, to the west of us. You would go through uh, the Caldecott Tunnel on Highway 24 and you would come to Berserkley, I mean Berkeley. And um, Berkeley had all kinds of things that they would do uh, just to show that they're you know, a city-state. And so they they, they had all kinds of political announcements, pronouncements, um, and enacting things, trying to be on the cutting edge of of great forward-thinking politics, like get rid of sodas and sugars and, you know, force people to drink water and all those wonderful things. But, so there was a political standing that this city has a tremendous history and advantage. And Paul grew up in a free place, Um, we'll see this. And so the application here is, uh, we'll see, is church government is called an ecclesia, And uh, it means that the citizens of the city were called out of the uh, city to assemble and to take care of the business of the city. So I have a question. Are we diligent in church business? And then, something else about uh, Tarsus is that it was a university city. Uh, it rivaled that of Alexandria and Rome as a place of learning. And so, this is the birthplace of where the Apostle Paul uh, lived his early life. Now, here are some pictures of the Roman roads uh, going through uh, Tarsus and the, what they believe is uh, one of the main streets there in the city and the city gates. Um, Now, let me ask you this question. Um, What country outside of Israel has the most biblical references to churches being planted and started in in cities? Turkey. Um, What this professor of New Testament history was saying on the documentary that I watched Uh, Turkey does not know the treasure that it has because many of the sites that are listed in the New Testament, they're just laying under the dirt, and they don't know anything about them. And if they wanted to uh, attract Christian tourism, then they just need to open up the ground and recreate the stories of each one of these cities, and you could keep Christians busy for weeks going from church site to church site visiting and spending money in your country. So that's very interesting. And so here you have some of the uh, the ruins uh, dug up and exposed so we can understand and see them. All right, let's look at Paul the Cosmopolitan's culture. All right, so we're here in chapter 23. Let's look here at verse 6. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. So Paul was born of a Pharisee. Now, we've got some young people in the room tonight. Do you think you grew up or are growing up in a strict home? Well, you didn't grow up in the home of a Pharisee, that's for sure. But the Apostle Paul did. And uh, so here he's on trial uh, for his faith, essentially. And he's before the religious leaders of Israel. And uh, he senses that there's uh, a split in the group between Pharisee and Sadducee. And so very astute, he plays to his cultural upbringing, that he's Jewish, but not just Jewish, but he's a Pharisee. And that got all the Pharisees on the council on his side and uh, turned them to his favor. So he's using this. Um, and so, very uh, strict and, and uh, very devout religious upbringing, Jewish upbringing. So, today we might call them the ultra-Orthodox, right? Uh, you see these people in New York City or in Israel. And uh, they definitely have the locks of curly hair going down the side of the face, and they wear the hats, and they wear the coat, and the little uh, tails and the braids hang out at the bottom of their gowns. And on the, the Sabbath, they try to put the phylacteries on people in uh, New York City as they ride the subway, and they look at you and think you're Jewish, and they walk up and they try to say, hey, put these on, you know? And um, so they're very strict in their observance of Jewish law, Jewish traditions, and the Talmud, and... The Mishnah and so forth. And so this is the, the upbringing that the Apostle Paul had, a Jewish religious upbringing. Now, when you stop and you think about this, and um, we're going to look into this, but let's go back to chapter 22 for just a minute. And let's look here at verses 25 through 29. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a what? Roman. Okay. So now we see that Paul has three different cultures woven into the fabric of his life. He's a citizen of Tarsus of Cilicia, which is Greek. He's brought up in... The home of a Jewish Pharisee, so he's got that Jewish background, and now he says, "Is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman citizen?" So now he's pointing out his cultural background that he also has Roman citizenship. Um, that is a Roman and uncondemned. And when the centurion heard that verse 26, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was born free. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him, and the chief captain was also afraid after he knew that he was a Roman, because he had bound him. And on the morrow, because he would have him know the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands, commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear, and brought Paul down and set them before him. So when Paul mentioned that he was a Roman, oh well, then, now... That's a game changer. That's a different story. Uh, You did not dare scourge or uh, whip or beat or unjustly try a Roman citizen. So the centurion comes and says, Is it true? Are you really a Roman citizen? Yes, I am. Man, I paid a lot of money to become a Roman citizen. And Paul says, But I was born free. So when Paul was back in Tarsus, Uh, his birth city, to be born free, then most likely what this means is that he was also, his family were citizens of Tarsus. And we'll explain and apply that in just a moment. But now let's look here at 23 uh, verse 16. And Paul's sister's son, so what relation would that make this young boy? Paul's nephew, all right? Um, heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. And then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who hath something to say unto thee then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him what is it thou hast to tell me and he said the jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down paul tomorrow in the council as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly but do not thou yield unto them for they uh, lie in wait for him of them more than 40 men, which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, see that thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. Oh, this is very interesting. Paul has a nephew here. He's got a sister In town, so there's some extended family. Uh, But how did this young Jewish boy come across such information, delicate information? So I think we're going to enter into a realm of supposition here and theorizing that uh, he was somehow in the home or. Within earshot of influential men making these plans. I don't know if this nephew is a Christian or if Paul's sister was a Christian. It maybe appears not as we read the rest of the accounts of Paul's family. Um, I wonder if Paul's father was alive uh, when Christ died on the cross and. Was he like the rest of the Pharisees and had an opposition to Jesus of Nazareth? As Paul, as a young man, in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, had uh, just a negative attitude towards Jesus and towards Christians. Um, But these things lead us to understand that there were some connections in Paul's life. And possibly, his family was of modest wealth and influence Uh, both in Jerusalem and in Tarsus of Cilicia. And so we see up here letter B, Tarsian or Greek. Um, Paul's family is of the Jewish uh, diaspora, uh, which means those that were dispersed. And um, we know that uh, Alexander the Great came through uh, Israel in the third century uh, before Christ and he conquered them and uh, set up the Greek uh, culture uh, in Israel. And he relocated many Jewish people uh, throughout his empire. And um, history tells us that when Alexander the Great was riding into Jerusalem, that the high priest uh, came out to meet him with a copy of the Scriptures and said, "'Your name is in our Scriptures.'" We welcome you as being God's uh, appointed leader for us at this time in our history. And uh, so the thought is that that went over well. And so that he then appointed Jewish people uh, with influential positions throughout his empire and relocated them and uh, gave them different political uh, and financial advantages But they were a dispersed family. Many of the Jews uh, were moved to different parts of the world. And so in Tarsus, there was a large uh, Jewish, um, actually it became known as a nation. And so they were almost an autonomous ethnic group that could do their own things within a city and within the empire. So it was very interesting. So... I wonder if Paul, understanding how turbulent, how temporary uh, citizenship was and uh, being moved back and forth between uh, Cilicia and Jerusalem as a child moving um, and saying, okay, Dad, why are we here in this foreign country? Well, hey, son, let's go home and all of that. If home was not understood as more of a transient place, not a place that you always will be. Is this why he could encourage the Hebrew Christians uh, that they should be um, strangers and pilgrims on the earth? Because here we really have no continuing city and how that could impact his life. And so if you've grown up in the military and your father was... Uh, in the military, you moved different places about the only continuity that you may have in your home is your mother's curtains, right? Um, But all the time you were moving from base to base, place to place, Uh, then you should know that many times God wants us to distance our heart from our material possessions and put our heart into His kingdom work and not to be too tied down as the Apostle Paul would have understood. Um, but now, we know that within Paul's family, uh, he was born with freedom. He was born free. Well, that required some connections. Could it be that Alexander the Great started that for his family? They, they think that maybe... Paul was a fourth-generation Jewish uh, immigrant, actually now native citizen of Tarsus, and that his family had land connections and modest wealth because he says that he's a citizen of no mean city. To be a citizen of a city at this point, you had to have land ownership. You had to have wealth. And so Paul then would have been in the Ecclesia, the governing body of Tarsus. Do you see then how Paul's concept of being a free citizen and taking the rights, the privileges, and the responsibilities of citizenship in his hometown and being a member of the Ecclesia, how he, through the Holy Spirit, borrows that word and brings it into our New Testament to describe the local church? how that we are free by birth in Christ and we've been called out to come into the family of God and that we have membership rights and privileges of being in the body of Christ. But then there's some responsibilities to conduct the business of God's house. And this is the beautiful, all right? Um, because at this point, if you stop and think about it, Israel was ruled by the Romans, by Herod the Idymedian. Rome ruled the rest of the world. So it wasn't Rome that taught him the concept of an ecclesia. It wasn't Israel that taught him the concept of governance. It was his Greek culture that taught him that, and we bring it into the New Testament church. And so, are we faithful as God's children to be involved in his business? Well, Tarsus was a city of culture, the arts, the philosophy, uh, dress of the day, athletics. Paul refers to athletics in many of his writings, and religion. Um, Paul spoke and wrote, uh, read Greek uh, we see in Acts chapter 17 verse 28 and uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 12 where he quotes uh, Greek poetry. And did he say, uh, did he not say that about them of the Cretans that their slow bellies, lazy creatures, did not one of their own poets say this about them? So he was an educated man in the literature of his day. Uh, now some interesting things about how he might communicate. Let's just take a moment. I found this very interesting. So walk with me through some scriptures here. We're not far away. Acts chapter 20, verse 34. Yea, ye yourselves know how these hands have ministered unto my necessity and to them that were with me. Go over to chapter 21, verse 40. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue. So now we see Paul knows Greek. He knows Hebrew. So we know that he's a man of education and of learning because he's multilingual. But Let's keep going. Let's go over to chapter 26. Chapter 26, verse 21. He's standing before King Agrippa, and it says here that uh, he will put forth his hand to gesture to them. Maybe I've got the, the wrong, is it 37? let me see here. It's talking about using his hand here. There is no 37. Okay, so let me look here. Okay, so I'm not sure what I did. I wrote the wrong reference down, but uh, he uses his hand. He stretches forth his hand to communicate uh, to the king. Uh, Let's go uh, back just a little bit and then look at another part of his body that he uses to communicate. Chapter 23, verse 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council. What does it mean to earnestly behold? To look at, to use. Did you find the reference? 26, 1. Okay. Uh, There we go. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. Um, I'll just do these other references real quick. Chapter 14, verse 9. Chapter 13, verse 9. Paul lifting up his eyes. So Paul learned communication, he learned how to gesture. He used his hands, stretched forth his hand. He was able to control a large crowd by moving his hand, quiet down. Then he was earnestly beholding uh, the council and and looking here at who he's talking to. So he's involved in his communication. So I, I can just imagine Paul being someone whose body language was Everywhere, all right. Maybe he used his hands a lot. Do you know somebody who can't talk unless they're using their hands? All right? There are, there are people that are like that. And I think maybe Paul was like that. Um, but the fact that he would look people in the eye. Uh, my dad taught me when I was a young boy, son, give a firm grip and look him in the eye when you say hello. Man, did I hate to shake hands with Sam Olson. Sam Olson was about 6'6", about 250, had the hands the size of a bushel basket, and when he would shake them, it almost, he would just put it out there, and just in your hand inside his hand, it was felt like it was being crushed, right? No joke, the guy could take an apple between his fingers and split it in half, he was a farmer, just with incredible strength. So, you know, I don't know if I like to shake his hand or not, but... That's, you know, you kind of get broken in on Sam, right? And then every other guy after that doesn't have the death grip, right? But um, you don't just stick it out there like a dead fish, you know? No, manly shake, put it out there. So maybe that's where this comes from, all right? Um, But in Acts chapter 21, verse 37, um, he's able to speak Greek. We see here uh, that he's also able to speak in Hebrew, um, he may have known Latin, so multilingual, so he uh, was well-educated. So here's my point. Just to have this attitude about your life, and the young people, you may not like this, but be a lifelong learner. Even as an adult, when you don't have to go to school, go to school occasionally, I took some classes on uh, nonprofit grant writing last year. Uh, it was hard, right? Um, I've done master's degree. I've done uh, college. And after our, I got out of high school, I really didn't have to go to school anymore. But learning became fun because it was what your interest was in. So be a lifelong learner and God can use your education uh, to advance his kingdom. Now, his Roman culture. The Romans didn't try to replace culture. Uh, they used large standing armies to collect taxes. And that's very important when it comes to our Christmas story, isn't it? That's why Mary and Joseph are traveling, because there is a registration, a taxation that was taking place. And so uh, they, they could care less about culture as long as they got money. And they put their armies in the field, and they built roads to get their armies to different places. A legion could be about 6,600 men. And it's estimated that in Cilicia, the area that Paul grew up in, there were over 25 different legions. That's a large standing army. Uh, Mark Antony had his army there for a while. So I think Paul grew up seeing soldiers. And of course, he was under house arrest, and in Ephesians chapter 6, he uses the military garb of a soldier to make an analogy about the Christian life. But Paul also traveled those Roman roads to take the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And of course, this happened because at this time in the Roman Empire, and by the way, Paul lived under the reign of five different kings, or Caesars. Rome was going through what was known as the Pax Romana. Does anybody know what that means? The peace of Rome, all right? And because there was peace, then travel was easy on the Roman road system. And um, so today we have means of travel that uh, just would be unimaginable to the ancients. I mean, we can pick an airplane and Within 12 hours, we can be on the other side of the world. But we don't even have to do that. We can just get on our computers or even our phones, and we can hook up with missionaries in India. And um, we can make an impact in the kingdom, even from where we are. And so we can use the airways to to travel today. But, uh, you know, here's another thing. Why, we live in times of peace. Instability. Let's make the most of our efforts to get the gospel out. Let's disseminate the gospel. Because what if we were in Ukraine? Not much there, right? Can't really safely go and give the gospel throughout the country because you're always concerned you know, about the next Russian jet overhead. So we're in a time of peace. Let's use that peace to advance the gospel as Paul did uh, when God gave him his calling. All right, let's bring this to a close, look at our third point. Uh, Paul's, uh, okay, so here's uh, the three cultures uh, being represented here. Uh, a Pharisee in his uh, Jewish garb, uh, the Roman Empire at the time that Paul was alive, uh, you see that it extends from England over into Iraq, into North Africa, up into Germany, uh, even over to Ukraine. Uh, so that's a very large Uh, empire that the Romans had. And then you see here a picture of an amphitheater. And amphitheaters were built uh, for cities, not just for entertainment, but for politics, where the influential people of a city could come together to do business. And uh, Paul would have been very familiar allowing such a thing. All right, now uh, let's go back to chapter 21 and look at verse 39, and uh, let's look at Paul's Tarjan citizenship. But Paul said, I am a man, which I am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a what? Citizen of no mean city. And I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. So to be a citizen, uh, once again, you had to own land. So his family uh, may have been influential, may have been moderately wealthy to become a citizen of a city. Um, So can we just say that Paul was an influential person before Christ in his community? Think of influential people in San Benito County in Hollister that need to know the Lord. God can use their life once they come to know him. And so this is actually one of the requirements that Paul said about a pastor, that a pastor is to have a good reputation of those without the church in a a given community. Now, I try in Hollister to have a good reputation. I tried in Pleasant Hill to have a good reputation. Um, I actually am enjoying Hollister a little bit more than I, than I did Pleasant Hill, and uh, just trying to meet different influential people here in Hollister and just build a relationship with them, and if the Holy Spirit opens things up, share the gospel with them. It's exciting. Some of them are Christians. Um, we've got people that are uh, believers That are interested in running for political office here in the county and in the city. Oh, let me just mention to you, I think it's on April 3rd, which is a Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, They're going to raise the Christian flag in downtown Hollister. And uh, so I, as a citizen, I support that. I would encourage you just to go down there and and, uh, support it for a few minutes and pop out. I don't know that as a church we could go down there and support that because uh, I just don't think it's exactly the kind of worship that we want to be involved in. But we can go down there and support that for a few minutes. So you might just see me down there in a couple of weeks um, and just supporting what's going on. And so the vice uh, mayor, Rick Perez, who's on city council, uh, he's a brother in Christ who goes over to Sunny Slope Community Center, He's on city council, and that was his initiative to bring that forward. And um, so, anyway, having a good reputation in the community. Now let's look at his Roman citizenship. Paul used this to great advantage. We saw in chapter 22, verses 25 through 29, uh, that he used it to avoid legal trouble and a beating. Um, And so this is all very interesting. As I was mentioning, Paul didn't participate in Roman government nor Jewish government, but he did participate in the concept of a city-state, Greek government. And he learned that a free city is an an autonomous city. And even though it's part of an empire, it works independently. And I think this has a, a, a large degree of influence in the way that we form our understanding of a New Testament church. We're called an independent Baptist church. We're not part of a denomination that controls us. Um, Now, we have mutual accountability through our fellowship with other uh, independent Baptist churches. And I have friendships and relationships where I've made myself accountable to different pastors. And um, so don't get scared that we don't have accountability. But my, my point here is this, that as a local New Testament church, we don't need a higher organization to govern us. And there's another word family that maybe we'll get into sometime called oikos, the oikos word family. And um, even though a home was part of a city or a country, um, each home was like an independent business and it operated independently. And so God operates his local church um, and there's nothing higher in God's kingdom than the local church. And we need to then treat that respectfully and be involved in the business of the church in Acts chapter 16 I'm just going to read these uh, reference here really quick verses 35 through 39 Uh, Paul is in legal trouble and he appeals uh, because he does not believe that he's getting a fair trial so he appeals to Caesar so he uses Roman citizenship there to to get out of trouble And so I believe that a Christian should know the privileges and the responsibilities of citizenship and use such then as leverage in kingdom work. Um, I really appreciate the ministry of the Pacific Justice Institute uh, with Brad Dacus. He's a California guy who grew up in um, the Reading area, uh, Bernie Falls, and uh, grew up in an independent uh, Baptist church. And uh, went to law school, and now has a thriving law practice uh, defending religious liberty, parental rights, and Christian workers in the workplace. And so uh, he could really benefit you uh, in lots of different areas. Um, so if you're interested, you can go to the PacificJusticeInstitute.org website. It's just PJI, PJI.org. But we should know these things. And then in Acts chapter 22, once again, he used it uh, to uh, avoid a beating. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Right? So, uh, there are blessings to Paul, the cosmopolitan's life. And all of the life experiences and events that happened to Paul before he was a Christian, when he became a Christian, he let God use those. To live God's life or the life of Jesus through his life. So I encourage you tonight. Your upbringing, your culture, your education. Um, all of that can be used by God. Each one of you is unique. but Let God take that no matter who you are. And let Jesus live his life through your life tonight. And so that's our... Uh, Big idea, Uh, ask Christ to live his life through your life. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, the study in Paul's life tonight and how all of the uh, ways that you shaped his life uh, before he knew you, uh, you were able to take those experiences and uh, put them uh, to work and to leverage them for the advancement of your kingdom. Please help us to think of um, that this week as we go out into the workplace, that uh, the jobs that we have and the neighborhood that we live in, um, all of these things are of your leading and doing and should be used for your honor and for glory. So please, uh, this week, live your life through our life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Have a great evening. Thank you for being here.